This is The New Digital Customer, a podcast that brings you insightful and inspiring conversations with customer-focused leaders who are transforming and innovating customer experience. And now your hosts, the CEO of Brightloom, Adam Brotman, and Chief Product Officer, Ben Straley. Hey, everybody, this is Ben. This is Adam. Welcome, welcome. You know, uh, this is going to be a fun episode because uh, we're going to try something a little different today. It's kind of, we'll almost call this like a bonus episode, I think. <laughs> uh, maybe we'll even put that on the, on the podcast. description. <laughs> and it's going to be the topic of, uh, the, topic of the day uh, in, in, in the technology space, which is uh, cryptocurrencies and blockchain technology. I mean, Coinbase went public. Uh, everybody's talking about all these different, you know, things and, uh, NFTs, et cetera. And, and so Ben and I have been, you and I have been talking about, about what are the implications of cryptocurrency and blockchain technology, uh, for consumer brands and digital marketers and all the stuff that we think about and our, hopefully our audience thinks about and, like, is it relevant and what is and how could it be relevant? And so we, we, we wanted to share a conversation uh, with our listeners around kind of at a high level, kind of how Ben and I think about it. And, you know, look, we don't have this scripted. We don't have notes. We're just going to kind of talk here. So let me let me kind of guide the conversation a little bit and say, um, you know, let's we'll start with uh, blockchain technology in general. It is the then it's the digitization of money in a sense uh, at a high level. It's this, you know, decentralized ledger uh, in the case of, of all these things, they have a decentralized ledger uh, that backs them and it's all going to end up therefore being kind of money related, but it's been interesting how it's uh, money being like it literally is money it's the te- it's the it's the digitization of money it's te- it's the technology it's the network it's a it's a store of value it's a it's a currency we're gonna get into all that but the point is yeah. it's um it's fascinating how uh as as blockchain itself the technology underlying bitcoin of course the original blockchain and and then then came ethereum then came other blockchains you and I started noticing that there are interesting loyalty components to this and customer engagement opportunity components to this that are worth talking about, right? Yep. So, so let's, let's start with loyalty. Um, we, you and I were t- noticing that, um, that a lot of these, uh, what are called altcoins, right? So, so alternatives to Bitcoin, like, um, and there's a, people call them, there's a terrible name, but it's, it might be appropriate called shit coins, which is what I've heard a lot of people call them that are Bitcoin maximalists. And there's for good reason, there's a lot of, um, there's been a lot of scams and a lot of crazy stuff, but there's also some really interesting stuff going on with these, these altcoins that uh, Ether is one of them. And then there's, you go on and on and on. And they all seem to kind of, in a weird way, act like a loyalty token for an application built on a blockchain. And you and I were talking about 
how interesting that is um, and whether or not that could be an opportunity for consumer brands to um, think about whether or not they could or should be producing an application on the blockchain uh, that would have its own version of a loyalty coin. And how does that tie into the rest of what they're doing with their business? Yeah, yeah. I mean, just to to build on that, Adam, I think the things that are interesting about blockchain technology that are relevant to what consumer brands are doing with loyalty programs is, um, as I understand it, you know, blockchain provides a way to create an immutable and irreversible record of a transaction between two parties. And that's one. And then two is the, the record of that transaction is then stored um, in a distributed fashion as part of, of what is referred to as the blockchain. So each time a transaction occurs, um, it gets entered into this ledger, and then the ledger essentially gets updated across the network of nodes that are sitting there and um, uh, processing uh, or waiting to update uh, the ledger. And we can get into more of the specifics around, you know, mining and validation and all of that. But that's the basic idea. Um, and what that allows for is the decentralization of um, of truth of which party owns um, what at any moment in time. Um, and what's interesting about that as it relates to loyalty programs is when you think about, you know, that dis decentralization, you think about the sort of immutability and transparency of every single transaction in, in across this distributed network, um, in the context of loyalty, that starts to get really interesting because what that can essentially mean in a loyalty context is there is no longer the need for a central authority, um, like a bank, for example, that is storing, you know, which customers have earned what points and then what can the customer do with these points or stars or credits or units or tokens or whatever the case may be. And so one of the things that you and I have talked about is the flexibility that a loyalty program enabled by uh, blockchain technology can actually create for, for brands that are running loyalty programs. Yeah. And that let's build on that because you're right that in, I guess, technically speaking, the, 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 you could, I guess, run a, run a, I mean, these, these ledgers are a form of a database and, and you could in theory use them for other things you use databases for, including, um, you know, tracking, a, you know, a loyalty balance, you know, point balances in a loyalty program. Right. Um, although one of the things I've, I've been reading and thinking about is that generally speaking, uh, you know, it, it, unless there's some other reason that you would want the, your database, uh, you know, application to be, I'll call it 
transparent, decentralized, et cetera. Mm -hmm. You're generally probably better off using centralized databases. However, to your point, Ben, it becomes interesting, which is what you were getting at. It becomes interesting when, as you put it, wait a minute, what happens if the loyalty, if everybody's sort of knows that their loyalty point balance is is actually um, not just something that the company or the brand is sort of keeping on some server in their headquarters or in the cloud that they control. It's mm-hmm. um, it's not controlled by them actually. Not not in the sense in the sense that you would normally think it would be, and therefore it creates a sense of scarcity, um, an extra value to your points that that didn't exist outside the blockchain. So get, what I'm getting at is that like, in theory, uh, your loyalty points could be coins and your coins could be tradable and they could have price discovery and they could have like any other market. Exactly. And when that starts exactly. to happen, it's like wild, right? You sent me an article by written by Scott Galloway um, right. where he was, it was brilliant as usual. And it was pointing out like these ideas he had for Chanel and Stanford University. Right. And it was just pointing out like, what would happen if a brand, instead of you have to, you, however they decide to issue or sell a token, uh, they can decide to do that in whatever way makes sense for their business. But once it's been issued, it becomes this thing, like a trading card, like uh, like any other asset that you could, that create, that you could trade. And and that's interesting, if the, particularly if that coin comes with other benefits and advantages and things that relate to the brand. So I, that was just fascinating when you sent that to me. Yeah, and I think that you, you're sort of putting your finger on one of the, the most intriguing aspects of, of this technology and, and what, it, what it can unlock for, um, for entities, whether they be individuals or organizations that are participating in it, is, is that is that notion of control and ownership. Um, uh, you know, and these the blockchain networks exist to, again, maintain a, a continuously updating um, record of who, which entity owns what, right? And so these ideas that you were just pointing out and, and Scott Galloway wrote about recently, and he's talking a lot about this, um, uh, also is that idea that no longer is, um, is there an intermediary that is required to, um, facilitate transactions between, let's say two customers participating in the loyalty program with a, with a, with a blockchain based program. Um, and this is kind of what Galloway is getting to in that article you referenced. Suddenly, you know, the brand, let's say Stanford University, Chanel, whatever the case may be, they can um, sell these tokens, sell these coins. And once that happens, they have transferred ownership from the brand to the individual, to the entity. And then once the entity owns that that token or that coin, they are free to, to trade and exchange that coin for value within the network or uh, what is now starting to happen is these sort of daisy chains of blockchain networks that are in, 
are facilitating conversion from one coin into another coin or one token into another coin. I don't want to digress too much on this point, but I think that notion of sort of ownership and decentralization where there's no longer an intermediary really that is that is um, facilitating right. each transaction, it gets really, really exciting uh, to think about what, what a really forward-thinking brand or marketer business might be able to do with right. that capability. Yeah, because that's right. I, the way, I like how you put it, and, and we should talk about NFTs in a second, which is kind of related, but the... But but sticking with this idea for a second, another way to put, say what you just said is, okay, I'm a brand. Uh, let's let's call it, you know, um, I'm Chipotle or something, right? And I, I, you know, I earn my Chipotle points. Uh, right now, when I earn my Chipotle points, I, I, you know, I can use them, but I can't. But here's the thing: I can't give you my Chipotle points. I can't. No. The Chipotle points have a stated basic thing that they can do. They can be built up and then redeemed for uh, an entree. But it, it's it is a um, there is a um, what, what's the word? There's a there's a word that you hear in crypto all the time. There is a um, uh, and in banking, I essentially have a uh, a. a, a contractual or party relationship, whatever it's called with, with, um, uh, with counterparty is the word. So I have right. a counterparty, I have a counterparty agreement, so to speak with Chipotle on this, right? Like, so Chipotle says, I promise you that if you have these points, Adam, you can come, go through us and redeem those points. If the mm -hmm. next one happens, what they haven't done is said, how about this? What if I, make those points programmable? Like what if I turn those points into something that was programmable? So I'm gonna add some smart contract type idea around it and I'm gonna say the points, the points are also have other value and whatever and, I've, and that if, if this, then that will happen with those. Mm -hmm. And I'm gonna, and I'm gonna stamp them with an, a, a form of authenticity, if you will, and I'm gonna like release them into the wild, you know, either give them to you or sell them to you or make them available and then, when they're in the wild, like Chipotle could be kind of like, I'm out of it. Like other than, you know, what you all in the marketplace decide the, those things are worth or how you want to use them. You can hold them for yourself. You can sell them to others. And, you know, or got, you could just keep coming with all sorts of scenarios. That is amazing to think about. It's almost like, you know, uh, it's like Frankenstein. It's like you're going to give life to this thing that didn't have real life before. It's like I'm going to give it its own life in, its, in the universe. And and what can happen when that happens is kind of an amazing idea. Yeah, I mean, I'm just th thinking about what you're saying as you're talking, Adam. And, and one aspect of that is that you would essentially be turning over the rule set for your loyalty program to the holders of the of the tokens or the coins to some degree. Right. Um, That's right. That, that that control over what they do and when they do it and you know, what it is essentially worth suddenly gets transferred from the central authority, from, from the brand to the, to the holder, to the customer. Right. Um, and uh, it's fascinating, fascinating to think about. And I, and I have to say, like, there was another article that I read um, yesterday that was looking at, um, you know, brand affinity among uh, teens 
and then also their their activity in crypto. And I don't know if this statistic is correct or not, or what the source of it was other than this article, but they said 9%, I think, of teenagers had uh, transacted using crypto um, of some form, right? Wow. Yeah. And and so, you know, thinking, thinking ahead a year, two years, five years down the road, this notion of you know, decentralization and control. Do I own my my Chipotle points or does Chipotle really kind of own them and they're just kind of renting them to me when I when I come into the store and, and purchase a burrito? Um, I, I think the expectation is w- will be much more um, uh, in the in the camp of uh, when a um, when a a brand is going to transfer value in the form of a, a loyalty credit that the, the receiver of that credit is going to have much more control and much more say over what they can do with it. Yeah, that's so interesting. By the way, like not to really go down the kind of tech nerd rabbit hole, but like I think there were some hearings in Congress yesterday about Apple and Google and others around mm-hmm. the they charge the the fees they charge to app developers and like well who really owns the app is it the consumer is it the right you know, so in other words you, you like what you're touching on in this topic of I like how you put it like this topic of are they really my points or am I renting them <laughs> it's like right. not to, to to borrow a phrase in the crypto space like you know not not your not your keys, not your points or something, you know, like, right. like there's a whole, like, there's this whole notion of like self ownership and responsibility, but also sort of the, the sense of fairness, price discovery, and frankly, innovation that can come when you release it that way. Cause that is like, it is phenomenal to think about. And what's so exciting to me about this space is just like when you and I, and by definition, you know, you and I are, were, uh, you know, in our whatever, in our twenties when the first internet kind of came around, and then um, uh, and the web came around, I should say, and then um, we were in our, you know, in our, in our thirties when the iPhone came around, right? You know, so it's social like media, yeah, and social media. So like, here's this new technology, new meaning, you know, twelve years old. Um, yep. that is sort of, a, it's, it's, a, it, it is basically another version of the internet in the sense of like, it is another protocol. It is, uh, it is net, it, it is, it has a network, uh, effect and it is networked in a peer to peer sense. And, mm-hmm. um, and it is programmable and it is kind of mind blowing. So, so for example, this thing about NFTs, and there's a lot of talk about NFTs, non fungible tokens. So if a if a coin that you typically would see traded on Coinbase or whatever is a fungible token um, on, that's based on these technology blockchain technologies, a non fungible token typically, as I understand it, is essentially um, relates to uh, tokens on the blockchain that are not like as not as sort of like they're not like a typical coin that you would see traded on these exchanges and they and and they become a great way to um 
to authenticate digital art, uh, which was very hard to authenticate because how do you how do you own digital art since it can be copied so many times? So this idea was like use the blockchain. That's a great way to do that. And mm-hmm. and then you start thinking about the fact it's programmable, so you can have you know the original artist who normally doesn't have any say about or any royalties or anything that happens after the first sale, they now can program in that they're going to get X royalties after the first sale. And that's right. But I found it, but, but Ben, I found it interesting on the topic of NFTs that interesting that um, when Kings of Leon released an album Mm -hmm. as an NFT, I guess, uh, and, and they, they basically said, okay, for, for, you know, for these, so think about like, we think about NFTs is you have to almost like think about like lithographs and like edition, right. Right? like, yep. so there's like one of, one of X, it could be one of one or it could be exactly. one of a or whatever, but like it's some limited edition run of something. And, That's right. um, and you know, by the way, it's very confusing because you don't actually, you, you, you don't actually whatever it is, you don't actually own the underlying thing that you don't actually own the digital art. You own this sort of deed of trust authentication certificate is what you own. That's right. But in any event, the, um, but you got this sort of limit, you can think of it like that. And then Kings of Leon did it and they said, well, okay, some of our, you can, if you buy the NFT of the album, you own the album, whatever that means, in terms of the, the ability to listen to it, uh, stream it, listen to it. I don't understand how it all worked. I didn't buy one. I, I, I love Kings Leon, by the way. But they also said, oh, for some of these editions of this NFT of this album, it comes with other rights. It comes with other privileges. I That's say. right. Like, I think one, I think some of them, like very few of them, some of them came with like lifetime front row tickets to all their concerts forever. Right. And, and then others were like, I think even they all had something like that. And they were just like some limited edition ones that came with certain amazing things and other ones came with other things. And, and somebody made a comment that, well, how interesting is this? The band now think of the band as like a brand mm-hmm. and with customers, like it has this like really cool, it's like a form of loyalty. That's also like a form of loyalty. Like, they, they now basically have a relationship with their customers through this digital thing called an NFT that probably gets is represented on some like barcode in the in some wallet by the customer. And yeah. they can add stuff to it. They can message the customer. They can track what the customer cares about. I mean, like in a mutually beneficial way. And like I also thought that was sort of interesting uh, as well, Ben. Like that 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 that's kind of an nft and by the way if i read the galloway piece correctly and hit some of his you know fantastic suggestions about like what a luxury brand could do or what a university could do around these coins right that they're basically kind of nfts like they're they kind of they feel like a fungible token because he's calling them a coin but but in a way they're more like a, a a a a a large run limited edition NFT that he's calling a coin, right? So I, yeah, it's a hybrid. I thought it was brilliant. Yeah. I mean, just the whole notion of a token. I mean, all a token is really is just a, a unique identifier that is um, attached to something like in the context of an NFT. So 
you can have a, a unique identifier that that is attached to uh, that that um, lifetime front row seat to Kings of Leon. Um, and then the only way you can unlock that essentially is by having the private key that you need to authenticate that yes, you are the true owner of that of that particular token, right? And then on the on the other side of that is this sort of smart contract notion, which is, and the the entity that is in possession of this token can then unlock, you know, this experience, this piece of digital artwork, and you know. X, Y, Z, right. other things. And that layer of intelligence is the is the smart contract layer. And then the blockchain layer is just the thing that's keeping track of which key owns which token, essentially. Right? And you think about, I mean, I was, you were going down the same path that um, uh, I was going down the other day in terms of like ticketing and um, access to experiences and um, just way, way beyond the the boundaries of like digital art into actual experiences and even physical goods that can be sort of branded with a particular you know NFT essentially um, can suddenly facilitate trading. Who need who needs escrow anymore when you've got blockchain? You don't need escrow anymore. It goes away. You think about you know all of the thing, the just the ripple effects and the implications of this relatively simple technology across a wide range of of industries. Um, it's pretty staggering. Yeah, you know, you made me think of one of the one of the coolest, smartest guys in this area is right now is Mark Cuban, and he was he's been I've been listening to him talk about it, and he was on a podcast called unchained with Laura Shin, which is one of my favorite mm -hmm. podcasts. And he, he was telling, he was talking about the idea of how the Mavericks, the Dallas Mavericks team could, yeah, could essentially uh, change how they sell tickets and have it like, if you're a season ticket holder, it's really an NFT, every ticket's an NFT. Yeah. And it could be rules around it that say certain games, it's sort of, you you can sell them more easily and retain right. more of the of the the, the uh, premium for these more and they, and they as the Mavericks might want to control that and say, look, we really don't want a bunch of the opposing team's fans showing up to this game, but we don't mind totally. it for this game. And they can, they can sort of influence that through programmable tickets. Well, right? yeah, say, exactly. You can and it's all, it's all and tradable. It's amazing. Yeah, and that and that is the that is the that is an area that is so interesting because what it effectively does is it breaks down the, the wall that separates primary and secondary markets. You know what I mean? There's no longer yes. such a thing as a secondary market. It's just the market. And what, what a brand like the Dallas Mavericks would be able to do or any, any, any group that's selling tickets to something is they would they would be able to issue these tickets in such a way using the technologies we're talking about to ensure that there is a set of rules that are being followed a hundred percent of the time that protect the brand, protect if you're doing it the right way, you know, protect the customer experience and maximize value for 
for all parties involved because the, the to your point you've said this a bunch of times adam um pricing becomes this very dynamic thing that is determined by the holder of the of the nft of the ticket of the token right right because i i don't know this but i'm still learning but like let's just take the kings of leon example and this is probably something i could easily find out but like I assume that if you buy one of these Kings of Leon NFTs, whatever, in whatever form you can sell, you can resell them on, I don't even know, OpenSea or whatever. I don't even, right. I don't even know. It's probably some specific blockchain that you have to do it on kind of like with NBA top shots and Dapper Labs and stuff. So I don't, I don't know, but my right. point is that like, I, whatever the case is, it doesn't matter. I assume it's resellable. In other words, mm -hmm. there's a marketplace for that. NFT, almost like there used to be a marketplace for uh, used albums. I'm really dating myself for our listeners, but like, like, right. you know, you, I remember when I was in, in middle school and high school, I used to go to, um, you know, uh, this like oldies record shop, right. And you'd bring your old albums in right. and flip through other old albums and you'd buy and trade them. So, and it's not that different from like trading cards and coins and stuff. So there's a, in other words, you, you're taking something that's digital yes. that you thought that that was over the, the idea of trading this stuff, this idea of scarcity and trading and price discovery and all that, like, and you're like introducing it in the form of these, these NFTs. But then if you're a brand or band, a, a, mm -hmm. a, a restaurant chain, a retail chain, a consumer brand, like, wow, that's interesting. Like, there's a whole bunch of interesting surface area there, right? So that, like, that's just, it, I think just kind of to bring it back kind of full circle to the beginning of this conversation that what you and I are saying is whether it be like the basic coin that pe when people think of a coin or a token um, on one of these blockchains, like in and, in, in, in and of itself, the coin is like a, is kind of like a loyalty point and mm -hmm. And then there's these non-fungible tokens that are like coins with additional things and programmability and maybe aren't as, as sort of widely available. So they're non-fungible in that sense and programmable. And, um, and in both cases, and we're just scratching the surface, right? In both cases, there's just like, it's like tools for you as a brand That's to right. think, what what so, could I be doing here? You know, you know what I mean. Like, it's, and, and it's not yeah. probably. I bet you a lot of brands aren't thinking of it that way. Meaning, a bet a lot of brands are thinking like, I don't get it. That's that's like an asset class. It's like money. It's right, like it's right. Like, what does that have to do with us? Or they're thinking, um, you know, it's uh, um, they're they're thinking like. Oh, I already have, you know, I've heard, why, why would I want to do that? Why would I want to basically use a bunch of extra energy? Because there are legitimate climate questions uh, that, right. that have been raised about the whole area. And, and the point is, um, although I, I'm personally going to just admit I am on the camp of, I think this is going to drive R&D in a way in this area that is going to help with the climate emergency, but but doesn't matter. The point is there's a there's a very interesting legitimate discussion around this that people would need to get their head around. And I don't yes. I don't 
I don't pretend to understand it fully or poo poo it at all. And, but like, the point is like, why would I want to do something with a, a blockchain that I could just do just as well with less uh, energy consumption and whatever right. else on my own centralized database? I think a lot of brands think like, why would I care about the blockchain when I can just use a centralized database or why it doesn't. And, we're, and you and I are basically saying in this conversation, hold on a second. If you really take the time to understand blockchain technology in general, uh, specifically Ethereum, smart contracts, NFTs, mm -hmm. and that's not just Ethereum, by the way. And yep. you, you're like, if you take the time to understand it, which you and I have been doing of late, and I'd say we're still very early on our learning curve, that 100%. it's mind blowing. It's mind blowing what could possibly happen for brands in this space. That's right. And, and you know, just to put you on the spot here for a second, Adam, what um, I mean, we talk to a lot of, of uh, consumer brands. We talk to a lot of you know, senior leaders inside of those brands and, and you know, uh, managers and, and the like. What are you know, two or three things that you would recommend they kind of study and think about as a, as a kind of way to dip their toe in the water of, of crypto and blockchain and and what I think speaking for both of us I think we feel is a um, a uh, wave of innovation and transformation that's going to be felt across many industries what would what advice would you have for where to go and how to kind of learn well I would say first the first thing I would do is I well the first thing I would do is I would just, I would start my journey as a marketer or as an entrepreneur yeah. or an operator. I'd start my journey by going on YouTube or going on the internet in general, Google, and just looking for like, what have other brands done? What have other consumer brands or whatever space you're in, what are mm -hmm. they doing in blockchain? Because I think, I think people would be blown away. They'd get a lot of inspiration for starters. They'd be like, wow, before even get, because here's what I'm getting at. It takes a while to study and do your homework in the space. And I'm speaking from experience. Yeah. Like, yeah. It, 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 but you need to do your homework in the space. But it's, it's not, if, the, if uh, the advice isn't go do your homework right now or go do this or go do that specific thing. Although I, right. I would I fully recommend do their homework. But I'd say, the first thing I would do is sort of open your mind to the fact that this is not, this is probably more interesting and, and more, more applicable to your business than you think. Yes. And even if you, and, and it's, and a lot of times, and, and, and I'd say on that, Ben, is a lot of times people make the comparison to the blockchain is basically where, um, blockchain is essentially at the equivalent of where the internet was or where the web was in 1994. 1994 or 1995. Yep. And um, so think back to like back to 1994 or 1995. For those of you that are, you know, not not too young, and you can remember that time. And what I can tell you from experience is, it was a kind of a magical time. But the truth is, you would have you could have been so skeptical of this thing called the internet. You would have been like, yep. "What's that going to do for me?" Oh. A website is just brochureware. Like, oh, right. you know, 
it's never going to disrupt the media business. Like you can barely download stuff on dial up, you know, modems. This is how everyone was using the internet in 1994, 95. And that's right. And there was like, the people who understood the technology were like, no, you don't understand. Like, this is what it could do if it just got a little better and people started innovating around it. And, and that's where we are right now. And so all I would say, my advice to answer your question is keep that in mind, have an open mind. Number one, number two, just go read what other people are doing with it. And then thirdly, like, yeah, like it'll probably inspire you to start to do your homework, to start to learn, like, how does this thing really work? And, you know, you don't, you don't need to go too deep, but I would say, um, like I would go on your journey, go on your own personal journey on it. And, and, and just think about it that way, because it is, it has a lot more consumer brand application than it seems. And, mm-hmm. you know, you and I are like, you know, we're not, I mean, we're, we're pretty nerdy about this stuff on the consumer brand digital side. We're just getting into crypto. There's people know way more about crypto than we do, but we're sort of, as we sort of look at those two worlds together, you and I, and like, we're kind of going, wow, there's a lot of interesting surface area here. Uh, uh, it's worth exploring. It's worth thinking about. Yeah, I think, uh, I know we're going to wrap up here, but I, I think you you covered it really nicely, Adam. I think the only thing I would just underscore is um, to not get too distracted by the value of of the coins, you know, and how they are, are so volatile and, you know, Bitcoin at, I think it's between 52 and 53,000 today and Ethereum and all of that, that is certainly um, uh, impressive and interesting. But what's really important, I think about this technology is, is the technology, how it works, what it does, the opportunities that it unlocks for, for, um, for industries and and all the players, small, medium, large, that's yeah. I think where the the really kind of interesting and in, innovative stuff is is already happening. Um, and I loved what you said about um, uh, the applicability of the technology in in the industry that we're in um, is uh, may not be obvious today, but it is going to uh, um, emerge. I think faster than than anybody probably realizes totally well i mean we can keep you and i love this stuff we can keep going but we'll we'll wrap up bonus cryptocurrency blockchain technology digital consumer marketing bonus episode and uh you know i i think it's an interesting topic i would be curious to hear from our listeners like do they find it interesting would they like us to sort of get some others on on you know some guests on here that can talk yeah. about this you know it it, it it's something that probably warrants more exploration but it's also it's new and complicated and so uh let, let's see uh where we go from here uh that sounds great and um uh this was a lot of fun adam yeah let's do it again next week all right sounds great thanks everybody so much for listening to the show. You can subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. For more information on what Adam and Ben are building with their teams, visit brightloom.com and follow them on Twitter at Adam Brotman and at B Straley.